Hello, and welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that has caught our eye this week. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James, and with me are Editor Mal. G'day. And News Editor Tung. Hello. Welcome, guys. Um, this week, we're looking at the rise and rise of Hyundai and what it might take to topple Mazda and Toyota in the Aussie new car market. You know, nothing like a bit of virtual product planning, and that's what we intend to undertake during the course of this podcast. We'll um, discuss a trio of recent entries to the Cars Guide garage, and it's time to farewell the dear leader. Um, over the years, we've followed Elon's juvenile, entitled, and uh, consistently reckless behaviour. Um, but as the 200th episode of the podcast ranges into view, it feels like we all know him a bit too well. Um, so he's a, he's a goner. Um, we've got some upgrades in the works aimed at making the show even more enjoyable, uh, with news on that to come later in the podcast and a little further in the near future. Uh, for now, YouTubers, you can jump ahead courtesy of the time codes in the notes below, and you can click on the chapter markers in the timeline. So let's go. And it's a story from uh, this past week, authored by our own Stephen Otley, and it's looking at Hyundai, and of course, Hyundai over the last, well, couple of decades, but the last 10 years particularly, has become even more of a powerhouse in, in this market. And um, he's theorised, or he's gone, he's put his product planning hat on and had a look at what they might need to plug some of the gaps in their lineup to match the likes of the top two, you know, Toyota month to month tends to, to sell roughly double um, Mazda's number, yet they're one and two. And Hyundai, uh, to come from behind on those two, um, he's, he's put it out there. So, guys, we were just going to uh, talk about the, the, I think it's five different things um, that, that Stephen's called out. And the big elephant in the Hyundai room, uh, straight off the bat, is, of course, a one-ton ute. And we're, we're talking about Kia a lot in that context, but they're their siblings under the, the Hyundai group umbrella. Um, Mel, it, it seems like a no-brainer. It's, uh, it's a yawning chasm in their, their lineup at the moment. Absolute no-brainer. Uh, and like it's my understanding is around the corner, although I noticed we ran a story this week saying it might be under doubt. I didn't actually read that story. Uh-huh. Um, so well, is, it, is it still going ahead, do we think? It is. Uh, I think it's just been pushed back. It's been delayed. I think oh, okay. we're, we're about to sell a lot of that. <laughs> Hyundai Australia has made like no secret about the fact that it wants a dual cab U. It needs a dual cab U to really, you know, put itself up against Mazda and Toyota in this market. Um, yeah. You know, the number one seller in this country is Toyota Hilux. Number two is Ford Ranger, you know. Um, I don't think they can sort of leapfrog Mazda and, and really sort of make a play for the number one spot without something like, a, you know, a competitive one-ton dual cab U. Yep. Yeah. And the, the other thing is that... Um, that's kind of where the enthusiast market is now. Too. Yeah, the yeah, it is. Firing their own use. So the opportunity to cast a halo over the Hyundai brand as a whole is pretty huge when they when they bring mm. the Ute here. Yeah, um, I mean they've got the they've got the critical mass as a manufacturer now to be to be able to just move on things like this. They've certainly got the depth of pockets um, to have the budget to develop these things. So yes, it's got to be well down the line in terms mm. of its. Uh, development, but it, it's been talked about for some time. And it, the delay may be any number of things, I suppose, to um, every car manufacturer seems to be faking, uh, making this um, super semiconductor and microchip kind of problem. They wish that would go away, but uh, who, who knows? Yeah, I mean, not to mention last year's 
you know, pandemic has kind of forced people to, to work from home and slowed projects down as well. Mm. Um, mm. You know, they want that car sooner rather than later, but yeah. you know, I'm sure when it arrives, it's going to be, you know, pretty, pretty compelling. Do we know where they plan to produce it? No. Not yet? Okay. Not that'd, known, that'd but that'd be a big thing as well. But I mean, Stephen makes the valid point that with that one model, if they could sell between ten and twenty thousand, that would close up the gap to Mazda with mm. with just one model. Um, so I'm sure they're ready. Um, yeah. And before we move on, Malka. sorry, James, I was just yeah, going to say go. something that really excites me about the upcoming Hyundai Ute is the what we've seen with the Staria so far. Mm. Yeah, uh, wow. In that the yes. Staria will collectively replace the Island and IMAX. So, yes. You know, commercial van and passenger van. Yes. But like the 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 bold design and you know that carries right through that car. And we get to sort of touch and feel it in the flesh, but yes. Uh, it's a tribute, it's a tribute really to Peter Schreyer, isn't it? Yet again. You know, yeah. um, here's the guy who who started out with Kia, but um, as I understand it, he has accountability right across um, the, the brands now. Mm. And Hyundai has taken great leaps. And I, I mean, I'm, I was going to mention that the first time I went to Hyundai in Korea was in 1988, and we visited the Ulsan plant there, where the headquarters is um, on the east uh, on the coast. And uh, I remember thinking it was kind of medieval. That it was it was a scary place. It was quite well. It was loud and not exactly the 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 model of cleanliness. It was a really industrial, almost industrial revolution kind of scene. Mm-hmm. And the cars that were being produced then, a lot of them were the Pony for the US um, and and other models. And I remember going back in 1995. Everything was quiet. Robots were in there. It was, it was uh, clinically clean. The, the quality of the cars being produced was demonstrably better. And I went there again, I think it was 2012 or 2013, and yet again there was another kind of quantum leap in terms of, well, they were really at the leading edge in terms of how these cars were screwed together. Mm-hmm. So the whole design thing has been in lockstep with that, that the, mm-hmm. the cars have become more desirable from the, the way they look and feel and, and also the the way they put together is is um, amazing these days. I might just and put up a counterpoint to that design thing. I'm glad you mentioned Staria, Mel. You know, you yeah. look at things like Tucson, um, even Palisade, um, uh, you know, Kona, i30 sedan, Sonata. This doesn't like, sound like a counterpoint. <laughs> I would say, I would say those <laughs> models are very out there in terms of their styling. You know, yeah. so it almost seems like they've taken this this uh, direction or this decision to kind of go, you know what, we are going to be um, very style focused. Our cars are going to look very out there, very polarizing. Um, and if you like it, you, you come along with us on this ride. And if not, you guys can go elsewhere. Right. It is so that's, risky, a, that's a risk, yeah? Yeah. yeah? yeah. And look, I don't I don't expect the Ute to look like, you know, a spaceship like the Staria, yeah. but, but I don't think we can expect, to, you know, I will, can't imagine what the Ute will look like mm. based on, the surprise that the Staria has been, yes. uh, which is exciting. You know, we, we do renderings, you know, based on Palisades and Tucson's. And, and yeah, well, your renderings aren't very good, Mal. I know that. <laughs> I know you Look, tend to do the the pure profile style primary school. You know, if you let me borrow your Derwents instead of being stuck with my Crayolas, <laughs> no, um, I tend to use uh, Texter. Texter, Texter, right? That's the way. 
They have iPads oh. for this stuff now, guys. Come on. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course. But, but yeah, James's texters smell like strawberries and they do. oranges. They're very, yeah, a lot of them pastel. But um, <laughs> the well, the other thing I suppose, um, what a, a one-ton ute, let's call it that, um, Stephen makes the point that that would lead into uh, a serious off-road style SUV. So, you know, there you've got Toyota with everything from uh, Kluger. They've got the direct uh, connection with Fortuna, um, mm. Kluger, then up to the Land Cruiser, soon to be 300 series. Um, so if Hyundai could, could get into that place as well, courtesy of this one-ton ute, that would be a, another big step up. It makes sense to me to sort of to develop the the like commercial ute, Staria, uh, their Fortuna, Everest equivalent, yeah. And a, a bigger, again, Land Cruiser sort of together with, you know, shared elements. Yeah. Uh, fingers crossed that's, that's what's happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. And, and you know, the Palisade is there um, mm. and that, that's more your kind of street-friendly, urban um, uh, fa- family, passenger-focused kind of SUV, but one that has that more uh, heavy-duty towing capacity and is yeah. able to go off-road and facilitate that that more hardcore stuff, that, that would be a real win. Yeah, he had been there before with the Terracan back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, that was Hyundai of another another time, and and I believe that that Terracan was actually more of a second-gen Mitsubishi Pajero under the skin. Um, right, so right. So it kind of dates back to when Hyundai was relying on Mitsubishi for a lot they of... They were. And I mean, I mentioned the pony. That was largely a Mitsubishi uh, kind of extension, anyway. The and the the engine certainly was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's an historical connection there. That's interesting. I didn't realise that. All right. Well, that's good. Terracan. So the other bring back the Terracan. Terracan. All right. Well, we'll bring start that campaign. Printing. Hashtag bring back the Terracan. And oh, the stickers. The um, the other thing is we've we've touched on this car a lot. Um, it's uh, in fact our touching has probably been inappropriate. We've we've done it so much. The the Santa Cruz, which is yeah. the the light lifestyle um, Ute, not meant as a hard worker, but but more as a facilitator of fun and uh, lifestyle activities. Uh, that I, you know we've had disagreement in the podcast, but um, what do you guys think in terms of its potential for success in this market? Huge, I think huge potential. Huge potential. Huge right. potential. I mean, you look at the lifestyle ute market, that $60,000 plus, right? You yeah. Know, people are buying utes because they think they might use the tray or they kind of drive down a gravel path to the beach on the weekend. Yeah, from the garage to the road. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. so no one, or I, I, would, I would argue, and I would wager that the vast majority of people buying those utes don't need the full capability of a one-ton dual-cab ladder frame yeah. chassis ute. Why yeah. not... Get one that's based on an SUV that rides better, that you know, yeah. is got a petrol engine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's don't you don't you love it? I, I've probably mentioned this before, sorry, but don't you love it when you're in a traffic jam and you're on a dual carriageway and the first person to kind of just go, I'm out of this, and mount the median strip <laughs> is always someone in a four-wheel drive you. And you can what just is- feel them thinking, yeah, right. This justifies <laughs> my purchase entirely. <laughs> This is exactly when you need it. The that five thousand dollars lift kit yeah, is, is so paper. worth it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got um, a counterpoint for you, Tom. Go for it. Go for it, Mel. That sounds really pragmatic and um, sensible. <laughs> your your attitude, but uh, I think it's tr- I think 
Australian ute buyers tend to still want to know they have the capability in their back pocket, even if they never use it. For the traffic uh, jams. That's for right. the traffic jams. Uh, think of the Prados that get sold that never, ever see dirt. And they're immensely capable cars. Yeah. Uh, and not cheap. Right. Either. Um, I, I think uh, Santa Cruz would be a big risk bringing it here, but it's a shame we're not going to see what potential it might have. Like, right, right. I'd, so I'd you think it's neither see. fish nor fowl? Like it's not, it's not a hard worker. It's not a real featherweight. It's somewhere in between. It doesn't have what people would, would want in this market. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure, yep. but I, I, it's okay. a shame we're not going to find out. Well, All right. it's funny you mentioned that sort of thing, right? Because mm. like the Veloster was a little bit like that, wasn't it? Wasn't quite a hatchback, wasn't quite a coupe, mm. yeah. and it's not here anymore. But, I mean, initially it was such a, a big success. Yeah, people, right. people fell in love with it pretty quickly when it, when it arrived, um, mm. but that, that honeymoon kind of cooled um, over a period of a few years, I suppose. It, it didn't do anything particularly well, I think. It wasn't particularly cheap. It wasn't particularly, I mean, it, it looks unique, but I don't think it was massively appealing to look at. Sure. Um, I wonder if an 86 would also fall into that category. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's basically, the front of it is basically Tucson. Yeah, There you go. Uh, I mean, it's based on that. So Tucson will tell the tale on whether or not people are in love with the way it looks. Mm. Tucson will tell the tale. Nice alliteration there. Yeah, it could be a, that'd be a good first sentence for a novel. (laughs) (laughs) Tucson. T at the start. Tucson will tell the tale. I'd read that book. Anyway, (laughs) I mean, the... The, the other one, another one, um, we were speaking of Tucson and we've been all over that vehicle, uh, the, new, uh, the new one not, not uh, long in this market, mm-hmm. and we've bemoan, been bemoaning the fact that um, the engine is maybe not its strongest point and, and specifically in the sense that it's not offering hybrid, plug-in hybrid, um, any other alternate um, powertrains. Um, and the, the one of the excuses, allegedly, is that it's built in Czech Republic. But I couldn't help thinking, Mel, that you'd been to that plant and followed an Australian-built car and, and participated in its construction. Am I wrong or right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We built one from the ground up. Right. Um, so that was an Aussie. That, that car was going to come to Australia, and it did. And then yeah. we drove it, drove it from Melbourne up to Sydney, I think. Put it to the Richard test. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. For so months. that seems like a bit of a thin, uh, a thin excuse. I think it's based on the cost of getting it here from the Czech Republic. All right. But, I mean, that that business case added up in the past. Uh, maybe there's a currency differential or, or something now that, that means it doesn't, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And, look, you know, all of our thoughts on the Tucson are based on only having driven the two-litre to date. Yep. Um, but even as the, the the cheaper of the two engine options, it's, you know, it's going to get a 1.6-litre turbo petrol shortly, uh, it's pretty expensive, Right. So it's expensive, but with a low-tech two-litre. I mean, it, it does the job, but there's, mm-hmm. as an all-new car, it, you know, it doesn't come with an all-new engine with mm. sort of yep. doing anything particularly well under the skin. Sure. Um, so it's a bit of a shame. Like, I haven't, right. I haven't driven the new Tucson yet, so I can't really speak on how, you know, that engine is in the new car. But, you know, you look at last year's sales figures, the number one SUV sold in the country was Toyota RAV4 right? Mm. And there was such a high percentage of RAV4 hybrid you bet. customers that if, if Toyota RAV4 hybrid was its own like nameplate, it would still yeah. be the number one best-selling SUV in Australia. Yeah, right. Yes, so that's right. So there's clearly an appetite 
you know, for hybrid or electrification in the mid-size SUV space. And there is a Tucson hybrid available overseas. Yes. So, yeah. Like, yeah. But then you change. could say historically Tucson buyers have been different to RAV4 buyers, mm. but the Tucson well, is no longer what, priced what it used to be. So, Well, they are different because one's in a RAV4 and the other one's in a Tucson. <laughs> Thank you, James. See, Tom, massive, There's a massive difference, Mal. <laughs> Why didn't well, I see it before? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the last one that uh, Steve calls out, is the, the longest bow to draw, I'd argue, which is the, the Nexo. So a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, which is in, in Australia in, in a very small pinky toe in the water kind of way, um, as Toyota has been with the Mirai. But uh, that's a, a really interesting car. And I don't know about you guys, uh, there's part of me that thinks that hydrogen fuel cell has a lot to offer, but it is a big call to expect all of the infrastructure that needs to go in. Uh, to support hydrogen fuel cell will happen while electric is owning the territory in terms of putting the charging stations in. Yeah, and it's it's a long way from owning the territory too. But you were true. Yeah, I, I love the fact that Nexo proves there's so much more to come, and it's it's realistic. Yeah, uh, you know the the car itself does a really good job. Mm-hmm. So surely that's the hard part out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, just think more refueling stations and yeah, <laughs> yeah. that'll that'll take a long time but it, it, it's exciting to me to know that you know we're not all heading towards hoverboards right well i suppose i suppose the thing is just at the risk of stating the bleeding obvious that it, it brings together the the zero tailpipe emissions uh benefit with the familiarity of being able to physically refuel the car and get mm-hmm. going again in roughly the same time as it takes to fuel up an internal combustion car. I mean, that's got a lot of appeal. Yeah, the the real world practicality. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I think Nexo. Whole... Sorry, I think Nexo is almost like the headline vehicle of that hydrogen mm. technology. But yeah, like Hyundai are also working on um, like a, a hydrogen powered truck. I think it's called Exient, maybe. Um, okay, okay. Not, Not called like Optimus X. Prime. That's yeah. <laughs> confirmed. Optimus Prime is going to be a hydrogen <laughs> truck in the future. Um, okay. Like Sweet. that's where that technology is really going to shine, isn't it? You know, you yeah. have big oh, refueling totally. stations for trucks that yeah. you know travel long distances um, that can be refueled in you know twenty minutes yes. instead of having electric trucks that need to be charged overnight. Yeah. I suppose there's also and Australia a dis- needs trucks to drive a long way, and yep. true, we're, like our rail network has scaled back, to my understanding. So we're going to need trucks in the future. You know, Brisbane to Sydney, 1,000 kilometres, Sydney to Melbourne, 1,000 kilometres, typically done overnight. You, you, mm. you need that kind of speed mm-hmm. um, and that kind of refuelling ability, most definitely. And to stop and refuel, you know, is such a waste of time and energy. Sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the heavy transport industry is already on such a, a cutthroat time schedule, um, yeah. anything that would compromise that would be uh, interesting to say the least. Mm. It's funny yeah. bringing it up next. I don't, I don't know if Stephen Otley, I don't think Stephen Otley mentioned this in his article, but like electrification is an area that Hyundai is well and truly ahead of Toyota on right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, look, any, any of the big players or, you know, the ones worth feeding are, are exploring multiple avenues all, yeah. all at the same time. So, you know, you look at Mercedes-Benz, they've had hydrogen fuel cell vehicles for, for a long time, um, Hyundai, Toyota, um, and they're not only down that road, they're, they're down multiple roads, so hedging their bets, as it were. So, yeah, that, that does make sense. Mm. Um, 
All right. Well, that's that's good. I think um, good discussion. Thank you, guys. We'll we'll uh, look forward to what uh, our viewers and listeners think of all of that. Uh, but we'll move to the real world, such as it is, um, which is our garage and the cars that we have been driving uh, this week. Mel, I'd like to kick off with you, please. And it's a Volkswagen. It's a Volkswagen capable of some uh, pretty heavy lifting. Please fill us in. Yeah, so uh, I've finally managed to drive something I've always wanted to, but uh, they're rarely available in the press fleet, so I haven't had the chance until now. And that's the Volkswagen Transporter dual cab cab chassis. Or, yeah, lots of cab. Uh, yeah. it's, which is the ute version of the van, basically. But does that mean that it gets an extended wheelbase or is the tray short? You know what I mean? Uh, it's, the tray is shorter than the single cab version, oh, but of course. It's, it's on the yep. same uh, transporter LWB long wheelbase. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Chassis is the yep. LWB van and the single cab, cab chassis. Um, <laughs> have you guys driven uh, any of the uh, transporter cab chassis? No. Not a cab chassis. No, I've driven the van, but not a cab chassis. Okay. Um, so for me, it's always struck me as a really smart way to do a dual cab use, okay. uh, as long as you're not wanting hardcore off-road capability. Uh, because of its, you know, it's effectively cab over um, packaging, like a, yep. like a proper truck or a yep. van, yep. Uh, meaning that you've got uh, all the room inside the cabin of a regular dual cab, but then... The equivalent of a single cab, a, a normal single cab tray. So you've got the, the passengers and the cargo. All right. Um, within the same sort of footprint. Um, but that's not quite the case. I'm afraid. All right. Uh, so I, I expected it to be quite civilized, but the reality is it's, it's much more of a commercial truck than something like an Amarok. Uh, or even even the Hilux Ranger, you know, the usual Ute uh, fraternity yep. um, in the way it drives and also its lack of creature comforts, uh-huh. uh, even though it's a $60,000 car, 60490 uh before on-roads for the four-motion version I drove. Right. Does it, have a, does it have a radio? <laughs> or is- it certainly has a radio. It has a radio and it, it has CarPlay, Android Auto, and um, right. USB-C connections oh. sort of like okay. the latest and kind of annoying if you don't have i think it's that's a vw cable. group thing really isn't it they, they seem to be whole you know across the board accepting usbc yeah yeah it surprised me the tiguan's updated you know straight. well because the the joke used to be how to insert a usb uh go one <laughs> way doesn't fit go upside down doesn't fit go back to the first way and that that is the beauty of usbc there's no up and down it's just you know you, you stick it in there so it, it's good in that way yeah, and I think capable I think, of charging and transferring data speeds a bit faster, Jason. Yeah, is that as well, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was gonna say that too, Tung, but with words like bingo and better. But yeah. Yeah, it's just better, right? It's just but better. man, when you're fumbling around for the you know the hole, it's so much easier and bound yeah. to be much easier on the cords, which you know, we all know how annoying it is when you wear out a USB. Kind of, kind of begs the question, why why would a buyer buy, you know, the VW over a dual cab unit or something? No. Yeah, good call. Strap yourselves in. There's more okay. to come. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's yeah, it's much more like a commercial truck in the way it drives. Hmm. Uh, now, the T6 generation has only been around a few years, and the T6.1 update only hit Australia this year. That's right. It feels quite old inside. Okay. Uh, it look, looks fantastic on the outside. 
but feels quite old inside. And in VW terms, it's more like a Mark Six Golf than a Mark Eight Golf, which is mm. imminent. Um, there's no reversing camera for the cab chassis. Mm. Uh, the multimedia screen is only 6.5 inches, which is funny. We used to be really excited about six-inch multimedia screens, but now it looks quite small. Um, and as I said, it does have CarPlay and Android Auto, so that's great. Uh, yep. Not everything does yet. Um, yep. The other f- surprises include that the front passenger seat isn't adjustable, so mm. it's a, a bench seat. So the driver's seat is sort of, you know, recline and slide, but the passenger seat seats uh, are fixed. You can't adjust the backrest. You can flop them forward to sort of have a flat surface, right. but uh, you can't slide, recline, or you can't slide or recline it. Okay. Um, and the back seat is very old school dual cabute in that it's just <laughs> a big flat cushion with a very upright um, backrest. Uh, and... So it's a six-seater, but there's no child seat mounts in the back. Oh, uh, really? Is that even yeah. legal? It, I mean, I... I, I oh, would've... yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. There's lots of, you know, crew vans that uh, that don't have... Uh, you okay. know, the troop carrier doesn't have a child seat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but ironically, it has child safety locks on the doors, on the back doors. <laughs> okay. So okay. your seven-plus-year-olds won't be able to escape. Won't be able to escape, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the Amrock, there's no backseat airbags, uh, back doors. Interestingly, if you look at it close up, the back doors have external hinges, like, you know, wow. a mini. Mini, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you'd immediately get those shaved, wouldn't you? You'd be down at the panel beaters and have it, you know, taken internal. Yeah, that sounds like a job. Um, <laughs> anyway. is that, Mel, is it front-wheel drive? So it's available in front-wheel drive or four-motion all-wheel drive, and the one I'm driving has the four-motion. Four-motion, okay. I, I okay, that's the cool. four-motion adds two and a half, three thousand dollars 3000 Okay, okay. Um, so, you know, it, it's got the, the, the dirt road safety. Or, or, or a work site, um, yeah. you know, capability as well, I suppose. I reversed it up some wet grass last night very confidently. Fine, uh, very good. That's good to hear. Good. It passed the wet grass reverse oh, test. Mal's wet grass reverse <laughs> test. Mm. I think ANCAP uh, is going to incorporate that into its inse- uh, assessment. Well, they should. Yeah. Um, now, interestingly, the yeah, so the back door trims, uh, you know, the front door trims, normal Volkswagen transporter, but, but the back door trims, it's a bit like a a six, it's a bit like my yeah, H Holden, actually. Right. The, it's it's all pressed steel and masonite. Uh-huh. Uh, with a, a you know rudimentary door handle and, and door pull uh, on the passenger side, there's an ashtray in the door. Oh, <laughs> naughty! Very <laughs> naughty. Is it European? Oh, it's uh, just tradies. Oh, They're okay. on the darts <laughs> regularly, mate. Yeah, that's okay. That, that's a very pragmatic, very sensible kind of uh, addition. But only on the left hand side. Uh, uh, anyway, right. but. But, 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 the mechanicals do a really good job. It gets mm-hmm. the, the, the most powerful of the three transporter trims uh, for the two-litre turbo diesel. So 146 kilowatts and 450 newton metres. Uh, I believe it's got two turbos, so it's going you know, be very closely related to the, uh, the Amarok version mm. of that engine. Okay. Uh, really responsive for a diesel. Mm. Uh, now, you would think that... The truck-like driving uh, experience would uh, be a result of having a 
pretty significant payload, but it's, it's only around a ton, which isn't huge. Mm-hmm. So there's no, yeah, there's no real payoff for the truck feel. Um, there are some pluses, though. Uh, it's got six seats. I can't think of any more any other uh, conventional dual cabs with six seats. Uh, and the size of the tray means you can carry a lot of stuff, even yep. if it's, you know you can't carry a lot of heavy stuff. All right. Um, but the bottom line is, I think if you look at it side on, it looks like a backwards baseball cap, and it's pretty cool. Pretty cool proportions. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, Good. Tung might agree with me there. Yeah. Uh, backwards baseball now. caps always cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how much? How much more, Mel? You, you, you've, you. How much more? You're pushing you got? the envelope. I think you are, but, but. Well, I'll wrap up then, James. Sorry to cut. Please. Uh, I must admit, I haven't had the chance to load it up and test it properly. All right, but, but you can read all about that. Osler's <laughs> very good. Site. Very good, uh, and also Matt Campbell's extensive coverage of the entire range from the launch. That's right. Exactly. Yes, he did do that. So. And thank that's you, all, Mel. James. That's Good. It. Thank you. Thank Who's you. I, pre- next? I appreciate that, Mel. Um, the next person uh, to step forward is Tung. And uh, Tung, we've been talking a lot about Hyundai. Let's be a bit more specific. What have you been driving? Uh, I picked up a Kona N line a few days ago, which um, Matthew Pritchard is probably flashing up on the screen right now. Uh huh. Um, so I've only picked it up for a couple of days. I haven't really had a chance to drive it because Melbourne is in another lockdown again. Oh, mate. Oh, um, I yes. guess my. Initial thoughts. Um, it looks really good. The okay. facelifted Kona, I think it 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 just makes the styling, exterior styling of the car previously, I thought it was a bit just quirky for the sake of being quirky. Um, now to me, it looks a lot more cohesive and a lot more confident. Great. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's I'm really glad they haven't turned it down. Like they've mm. owned its its yep. quirk. Totally. But, totally. But embraced it rather than softening it. Especially in inline trim, they add a few sort of sporting elements and things like that. But the biggest change is that the you know the black plastic cladding around the wheel arches is now body colored. Okay. Um, and I it, it makes it look a little bit more like a hatchback than an SUV. Right. I think it works really really well for that because it's pretty close to it. Yeah. <laughs> and where, where's the tool? Tung, on that on that theme, where do you think it sits in terms of your point from earlier that Hyundai may be going into risky territory in trying to, um, you know, um, spice up their game in terms yeah. of the way the cars look? I think, like, there's no doubt that the Kona is aimed at a younger audience. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm not saying that I am young, but I am a fan of the car, the way that so, car looks. So I'm saying you're young. Yeah, yeah. Speak for <laughs> yourself, relative. you young fellas. It's all relative, guys. <laughs> Thanks, James. <laughs> you're young too, by the way. The, the Kona, you know, talks to that kind of like uh, first car buyer, 20 to 30-year-old, like no yep. kids, um, yep. you know, maybe a dog in the back sort of buyer. And it does it really well because the, the text there, um, yep. you know, the interior, yeah, the, the the plastics in the interior are a little bit hard and scratchy, but um, you know, you have things like a wireless smartphone charger. There's a there's a 10.25 inch digital instrument cluster in the Kona N line. Um, it's got sports seats, those like leather accent, uh, red Man, nice yep. accents and things like that as well. So, is, is yours the two liter or the one point six? It's the two. Sorry liter. if you've already said that. No, so sorry, one point six liter. One point six liter. One point six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, th- I think it's a bit of a shame that you can get the inline package in both with both engines. Mm. Um, right, it, you should reserve it for something that's a little more special. You think? Or the, the performance leader? Yeah. Is only ava- oh no, it is available in both. Sorry, yep, never mind. Yeah. So it's it's a bit like how you can get an A class, an A one eighty with the AMG pack that 
is pretty close to you know what's fitted to the A35. Yeah. You know, aside from I think exhaust outlets. Um, <laughs> and look, that works really well for Mercedes. Mm. They sell lots of AMG kits, and you know clearly Hyundai's aiming to do the same thing. But uh, given N is in its infancy, mm-hmm. I, I I'd prefer to sort of see it mean something. All right. You can read Matt Campbell's extensive coverage. Yeah, was oh, was it was it Chester? Anyway, we have extensive. Chester, Chester did the launch for that car. Uh, ah. review and a video review um, up on the Cars Guide website. Beautiful. I always get those Beautiful. guys confused. <laughs> yes, Sorry, well, guys. they're both fantastic human beings. How could you not mix them up? The the what I'll go to as uh, the closer on the garage is Lexus IS three fifty and the F Sport. So. That's a three and a half litre Atmo V6, 232 kilowatts, 380 newton metres. Unlike the turbos that we're so used to, that torque's peak is 4,800 RPM, so it's quite high in the rev range. Eight-speed auto, rear-wheel drive, 75 grand. So it's in there with the like, you know, generally speaking, like an S4 Audi maybe, um, although it's more expensive, um, a 330i BMW with the M Sport kit, that's about 80K, so it's in there. A Merc AMG CLA 35 uh, is a little dearer, but similar Jag XE with the R Dynamic HSC P300, blah, blah, blah. On it goes. So it's in that that kind of Euro thing. It's the Japanese contender amongst those Euro offerings. Uh, the one that we had, it's just, this is how superficial I am. It's such a great colour. Uh, it's in <laughs> a colour called infrared. Uh, but even just in photographing it for the pics that people on YouTube will be having a look at now, it really sings in the sun. It looks uh, fantastic. Sets the car off beautifully. Um, the other thing I noticed with the seats, the seats are really nicely designed and they feel fantastic, both from a, a, a kind of locating you point of view, but also a comfort point of view. The electric steering is really good and that's not something I'm used to always with a Lexus. And I love the steering wheel itself too, the, the size of it, the feel of it. Um, really enjoyed that quality ride. It, it rides beautifully. And there's a surprising amount of rear space. It's not a huge car. Um, and when you're in the back, there's behind my driving position, I had a fair bit of leg room and, and headroom more than I expected. And it's kind of rare to drive a naturally aspirated car uh, these days. And to hear the engine, uh, it's all genuine engine noise and it sounds really nice. Um, I enjoyed that particularly. The, the, the only real negatives I could come up with were it's a very dark interior. I quite like it, but I can imagine that others may not. Um, and the exterior design, it's a, it's a Lexus thing across the board, really. It's likely mm. to polarise because it is very angular and it has that now recognisably Lexus look. Um, but I think over um, generations, the IS is getting sleeker and sleeker. And um, it's maybe still not to my taste for what it's worth, but it, it, is, um, it is changing over time. I, I, I enjoy uh, I enjoyed driving the car a little more than I expected to, frankly. So um, I thought it was pretty good. I think the proportions have made a really big improvement with this uh, yeah. most recent version in that the, yeah. you know, the rear end's kind of pumped. Yeah. It looks yeah. more substantial. The, the wheels had that kind of, um, what is it, like a satin, black, chromey, charcoal kind of look to them. And often I think that can look a bit too Hollywood Boulevard and, and yeah. uh, dressed up it on this car with that very warm colour. It was a beautiful combination. I, I I thought it looked great. What a shame that we don't get the V8 version of that car. Boy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what we'll we go to an RC for a 
for a proper uh, if if it's still on sale. I'm not even sure. I'm, I'm I think it's still offered, but um, I'm not 100 percent sure. RCF, yeah. Mm. yeah. Can you imagine like a V8 IS? Yeah. yeah. Well, that used to be ISF. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, now so that's that's our garage. And uh, look, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, we've put our heads together, which typically generates at least two to three candle power. Um, and looked at ways of improving the podcast. And one was to lift our engagement uh, with listeners and viewers. And to that end, we intend to focus on responding to your feedback uh, and continuing the conversation directly. So that is, we want to talk to you via the YouTube comments section and respond to your thoughts posted to comments at carsguide.com.au as soon as possible. So as always, we look forward to chatting with anyone about anything we've said or done. Um, to put more flesh on this podcast bones, but we'll do it directly in the comments on YouTube or via responses to your emails. So really at this point, that is the finish line. We have reached it. And I want to say thank you, Tom. Uh, transform and roll out, everyone. <laughs> and thank you. And thank you, Mal. Thank you, James and Tom. It's been a pleasure. Good. Thank and thanks to our computational wizard, freelance genius, and champion of love and light, Mr. Pritchard, for his skill and dedication to the Cars Guide podcast cause. Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, Jester Forced, party time, um, fire tiger pants, and banana shoes. And they have the skins peeled back, which is mildly confronting. Um, Let us know your thoughts. You can find Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram. And as I said uh, just a minute ago, email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Uh, also, as I mentioned earlier, we'll be ready to respond in the YouTube comments section. And if you're an Apple podcast listener, please rate and review us. And on that note, uh, thanks to AAAA Play, who I think owns AAA Aardvark Electrical, um, and Chris underscore Adel, who recently did just that. And we've cracked 100 ratings. Thank you. And somehow we're still at five stars. So um, that, that is terrific news. Make sure you subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content or, of course, visit the site. But before we go, look, I keep being harassed by the same bike at the same place every day on my way to work. It's been going on for weeks. In fact, I think it's a vicious cycle. <laughs>